for this New Year's Eve, my wife and I did a really fun and exciting thing, really party pretty hard. We uh, watched, was it, two food documentaries? And then, uh, you know, just to pump ourselves up. Last about a week, but hey, it gets you there for the, in the beginning. And then um, I actually read through, um, we have four little kids, by the way, if you don't know us, so that's partying to us, is getting a night of watching some documentaries. And then I finished uh, the book that my buddy Abe uh, lent me, J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, prequel to the uh, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Anybody here know The Hobbit? All right, we got some, we got some Hobbit fans. All right. Man, that book was timely. It was, it, it was great. And uh, I loved, what I loved about the story is you have this little Hobbit guy who's in this comfortable little Hobbit home in this really peaceful place called the Shire. And then all of a sudden, he is thrown into this crazy, crazy journey, one thing after the other. It's like peril, suffering, pain, cold, tired, hungry. I mean, this guy is just, he's just thrown on this journey. And he's thrown in a journey with a group of people. They're the most unlikely group that Bilbo Baggins, that's the Hobbit's name, right? That would ever, ever think he would do anything with much let alone do a life-changing journey. And it was these, these group of dwarves and this wizard. And so what I love about it is time and again when he's just getting crushed by the trolls. Yep, the trolls definitely work him over pretty hard. At the murky forest is another one. All this crazy stuff. I love it. Like time and time again, he's like, man, thinking about his little hobbit home in the little peaceful place back in the Shire. And he's having these moments like, what the heck am I doing? Like, how, how did I ever end up here? Like, what is happening? And what I loved about it, and this is what was so timely for me, is when he finally makes it back to the Shire, this really subtle but I think very powerful moment happens with Gandalf and him. Gandalf is the wizard's name. Some of you guys are like, what the heck is he talking about? Um, Gandalf looks at Bilbo, and he has this amazement. That, that's how I'm reading it. And he has this amazement about it. And he's like, Bilbo Baggins, wow, you are changed. You are different. And it's cool because that's the place where it started. And he, he's coming back. He's totally different. And in that moment, I realized for the first time, I'm reading this story, kind of journeying with Bilbo, and I'm just trying to hope, I'm hoping this guy, you know, he just gets through the journey. I'm just like, uh, you got to get back to the Shire, man. I want him to be back home. I don't want him to get crushed by the trolls. I don't want him to get lost in the murky forest. I, you got to get back home. And at that moment, what happened, it triggered my head, and I'm like, oh, wait a second. There was a, a process that took place in this journey that was absolutely life-changing. He went from, you know, when he joined this group, he was definitely, like, second-rate, super expendable guy. If anybody gets taken out by the trolls, it's like, hey, there's no Bilbo there because we don't really need him in the group. That's kind of how he was when it first started. But through crazy turns of events, he becomes the leader of the group. In fact, he's the dude. He becomes the dude. And so he comes back, he's like, all this stuff he didn't realize he had in him, all these gifts and abilities, and I mean, he's just, wow, look at what I can do. And then the other cool thing, too, is he gets this greater sense, you realize, of family and friendship, and it's not other fellow hobbits. Hobbits hang out with hobbits. Dwarves hang out with dwarves. Wizards hang out with wizards. You've got this really eclectic group, wizard, 
dwarves, hobbits, they don't hang out. And, oh, man, it brought so much tears to my eyes to read about just this beautiful fellowship, this beautiful friendship. He gets family. And so I'm just sitting there reading this, like, wow, getting wrecked, you know, the gospel according to Bilbo Baggins or something. And, and God's just doing a lot in my heart. And I think, I guess, what really tugged at me, if I can just put it in a sentence, is, man, he, he was on a journey he wouldn't have chose for himself. But it changed him in the best possible way. And I think why God ministered to me, or why God used that to minister my soul, is in a lot of ways I look at my life in that way. In this New Year season, it's a great time to reset because it's a great time to reflect on our past and our future. I, I do that often. I, was, I, I do that around the end of December and really reflect where I came from and what does the future look like. And I sit with God and that stuff. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I kind of sit there and I ask myself, how did I end up here? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, man, how did I end up? There's been at least a few times I remember lying in bed in the morning. Kids are flipping out. Things are going nuts. And I'm just like lying there looking at the ceiling. And I'm like, how did I end up here? Like, you ever have that moment? You don't have to have kids. And you ever have that moment? Like, wow, how did I end up here? How, I have four kids. They, 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 they drive me crazy, but I also love the heck out of them. They're cha- they're, God's changing all kinds of things. Deep in my, how did I, wow, that's crazy. And I look at, I mean, if you knew my story, it's like, wow, how am I a father of four kids? And they're alive still, and, you know, and I love them. Wow, I have this beautiful wife that's teaching me so much and challenging me. And we're, this partnership here, my story, that doesn't make sense. Like, how did I, how's this happening? How am I in Tacoma? I grew up in Virginia. The, the Northwest was like, might as well be another continent in my, like, my growing up. I never knew anything about it. But yet, like, year after year, there's more of a love for the city. People here, I don't even know that. God just put, I just love Tacoma. Why, how did I end up here? And uh, to be honest with you, a pastor. Man, people I grew up with back in Tacoma, oh, man. I mean, I back, sorry, back in Virginia Beach is where I grew up. Dude, man, time and time again, I hear about them hearing about what I'm doing now, and they're like, what, Randy Sheets? He's like, I can't, wait, what, how? How? And I'm like, yeah, actually, when you say that, yeah, how? <laughs> and, and I have those moments, like, how am I a pastor? What happened? How did I get here? I, I don't know if you've had those moments. And for some of you that don't know my story, I did have a crazy moment while in the military. I served active duty military for five years. And my outlook in the military is like, that's career for me. That's career. God saved me in a really awesome, punctiliar, in-the-moment kind of way. And it's been amazing ever since. But I'll never forget thinking that I was going to spend the rest of my life, or career-wise, in the military making disciples of Jesus while doing that. Because I know many godly men who are doing that, and it's awesome. And I thought that was going to be my path. And God woke me up one morning in my second deployment in Afghanistan, and we were in this tent, and he woke me up, and he said, no, I got a different journey for you. And it was a thing called civilian life, <laughs> that if you're in the military or were in the military, you know what I'm talking about. That's a scary, like, unknown, outer space kind of voyage that seems like, what is that? You know, not wearing a uniform or saying, sir, or bam, you know. Um, and, and he told me I was going to get out of the military. And, he, and then later he brought on, like, you're going to do this thing called seminary. And again, I didn't know anything about church was new. Jesus was new to me at that time. He said seminary. I'm like thinking, 
so I got to shave my head and wear a robe? Like, what, be a monk? What, what a seminary? I mean, it was that foreign to me. And then, like, the idea of money and being provided, like, where am I going to live? How am I going to eventually afford where I'm going? How am I going to pay for that seminary thing? That looks like that costs money. The more I'm looking into that, like, what's the people you're going to put? I, I, the Northwest, yeah, at that time, I didn't know many people because I was constantly in the military, traveling everywhere. I only had my friends who were in the military. I'm like, God, how, what are you going to do? How? I can't do this. This is so out of left field. This is like the path I was on. You're saying go here. It just it doesn't make sense. My family was freaking out. I remember at that time. And, and yet he provided. And, he, and it was a cool time of reflecting on those things. Time and time after again, he's like, he showed me. He gave me this. He gave me this. He, he was with me every step of the way. But what was key, it was definitely harder than I ever thought. It was tougher. I, w- I had more weaker moments in my life than I ever could have imagined. It was painful. And to be honest with you now, as I spent a lot of time reflecting in December, I've had moments leading up to this morning with you guys and still wondering, like, God, are you sure I'm a pastor? This is really hard. And I'll be honest, I got rough edges sometimes. Like, when I think of my, my military days and being a pastor, just to be clear here, like a military leader and a pa- like it can kind of be very different, like in, in the way you go about doing things, very different. Not that you can't be a godly military leader, don't, don't hear me that. For me, like, uh, yeah, very different. And, and there's times I'm like, what, Lord, this is so heavy. Are you sure? This journey seems so crazy where you have me. Is this it? Is this where you're calling me? And I just want to say in those moments, and here's why I'm talking about this. When I look back and reflect on that, and like we see in the story of Bilbo Baggins, it helps me look forward to the future with great, great dependence. Great dependence. Because I'm realizing, and I want us to realize this morning, guys, we are thrusted into a journey. If you are following Jesus, you're thrusted into a journey. There's actually an enemy called Satan and devils that totally want to take you out, take me and you out. We can't see them, but they want to take us out. There is sin, there's flesh that wants to pull us away from God. There's this worldly message, new year, new you, self-improvement. It's about efficiency. It's about progress. It's about getting stuff done. More, 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 more. Just do more. Just try hard. And all of that is meant to take you off the journey God is wanting to call us on. And you know what that journey is? Is dependency and trust. That's it. That's the journey we are called on. And guys, God wants to thrust us as a family into this wild, crazy, perilous, filled with suffering journey. I'm smiling for a reason when I say all that hard stuff because he wants to change us like none other from the inside out. He wants to make us new because he has made us new in Christ Jesus already. He wants to transform us. He wants to show you and me that there's stuff he has put in us, ways he has made you that he wants to unleash, that you would think, no way. But he wants to draw it out in the midst of much suffering, in the midst of much discomfort, so that you could see that there's a God who you can depend on that does make things new and does work and glorifies his name and wants to do it through you, through us. And so that's, that's what I want to talk about this morning. 
We're in this month of entering into a, a new year, and what we've done in the past couple of years, the Spirit's led us to, is this idea of calling upon the Lord. It's nothing fancy or sexy or cool, but it's biblical, and it's necessary, and it's the most important thing. Um, that is, we call out to the God who's alive and who has a purpose and plan for the world and for your individual lives, and we are called to listen in and to seek and to take this posture where we get on our knees and we're like, self-improvement plan, that's ridiculous. I, I, like, God, I, I need you. God, I want to hear you. Together with this family, I want to seek you and what you have for us in 2018. Because dependency on you, listening to you, drawing near to you is my life, is my sustenance. And so that's what we're doing this month. Again, it's like this idea of calling upon the Lord for the next, this week and the next two weeks. We're just going to spend a little bit of emphasis on reminding us, hey guys, this life and this year, it's about dependency at the end of the day. For me as an elder, the only way I can elder well, as well as my fellow elders, is through hearing from the Lord and being on my knees and guiding from his will and his power. We wait on him. So that's what we're, so I'm kicking off our morning with Bilbo Baggins and how that teaches us dependency. I have um, three passages that I want us to briefly, briefly look at that will then lead us into some time of consideration, meditation, and, and some prayer, if you will, that helps maybe guide us a little bit to what dependency might look like for you, might look like for us in 2018. I didn't want to just like end it there, dependency, now let's do some prayer. Uh, there was three passages that the Spirit just brought to mind that I hope will fan the flame, encourage our hearts a little bit, maybe lead us into specific ways to talk to God um, and, and prepare us for, for the new year, if that makes sense. The first one is Philippians 3.8. And I'd appreciate, too, write these down. Um, maybe some of you guys should memorize these three. They're really, I think, powerful verses. Philippians 3.8 says, Indeed, Paul, the apostle, says, Indeed, I count everything. Everything. Everybody say, everything. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Poop is the word he's using there. Poop. And that's a nice way of saying it. You could just use another word that would fit better actually in its original language. Rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And the question here that the scripture pushes on us and calls us to ask is like, do you know Jesus? And when I say know Jesus, it's not I know things about Jesus or I know things about God or I know and I read things in the Bible about him. But Paul is talking a very different kind of knowing. It's not knowing things about him. It's knowing him. Do you know him from 2017? And here's what I mean. There's places the Spirit led me to, multiple places in 2017, where like, oh, I knew him then. Like, oh, oh yeah, he showed up in that moment. He was right next to me, holding me up. 
carrying me through that particular thing. Oh, yeah, he, I, I tasted him. I saw him. He carried me. I heard him. Not, not hearing an audible voice, but I heard him in my inner man, my inner being. He revived me when I had nothing left multiple, multiple times. Do you know Jesus? When you look at 2018, is it about knowing him? Guys, I don't give a hoot at the end of the day about read the scripture app and you going all the way through it if the whole time you're just learning stuff about God. Can I just be honest with you about that? I, like, I would, man, you could do a quarter of that stuff. And if you are experiencing the ineffable joy of Jesus Christ who lived and died for your soul so that you won't suffer in hell, and he loved you, the Father loved you that much, and you get about a week or two through that stuff and you're tasting and seeing how good it is, praise God. That's the point. Tasting and seeing how good Jesus really is, that the Father's love is real. It, 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 it's more real than me and you seeing each other right now or smelling food. It's more real than that. When we look at 2018, does that idea of gaining the knowledge of Jesus, knowing him more, Paul later on in that, that section says, like, that's the prize, man. I, I forget everything. I, just, I go after the prize. He's the prize. Is that your treasure? Is that your prize? Is being fixated on Jesus, knowing him, is that the deal for you? Regardless of your food plan, your exercise plan, your whatever plan, is the ultimate goal, knowing Jesus more, even through all that stuff, is that it? Because that's what Paul's talking about here. He's the deal. Jesus is where he gets his worth. Jesus is where he gets his healing. Jesus is where he gets his forgiveness. Jesus is where he gets his purpose. No matter what he does, selling tents, getting beaten and persecuted, loving people, partying, it's all from Jesus. Are we entering 2018 knowing that that is our gain, knowing Jesus more? Because if we fixate on anything else more than that, Paul says you're fixating essentially on poop. Who wants to fixate on poop? I don't want to fixate on poop. I mean, think, I mean, it's in my head right now. I'm like, ah, stop talking about poop, Randy. Why do you want to fixate on poop? When one of my kids talk about that at the dinner table, I'm like, no, stop. Can't talk about poop. It gets in my head. I'm one of those weirdos that like, can really visualize something, and it messes me up. And Paul does that here. He messes me up when I have to meditate on this past. I'm like, ah. Oh. But it, it, it's insane, right? My point is like, it's, it's really crazy. We don't meditate on that stuff. But Paul's trying to make a really clear picture. Guys, if your thing you're meditating on is success in your job, if it's like, I got to be a better husband or a better wife or I got to be more efficient or more organized, I'm just telling you, you're meditating on poop if you're putting that above Jesus. That's what Paul's trying to say. Jesus is the deal. Failure is a part of the deal. Weakness is a part of the deal, part of the walk with God. Be, seeing your brokenness and your mess, suffering, having much loss, it's a part of it. Having to forsake the hard challenge of what is even good, as we got to say no to that because it's getting in the way of the best, Jesus is a part of it, and it hurts. But the goal is we gain Jesus. We know him more. You with me on that, family? So that's the first, knowing him. Do you know him? The second one 
1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, it's, it's the latter part of 7. It's the end of that verse 7. It says, uh, rather train yourself, Paul again, to Timothy. Rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And what I really got hit with here is this idea of train and training yourself for godliness. The importance of training. And the word here is describing like a lot of effort, a lot of intentionality, a lot of work. A lot of work. Uh, I watch a documentary. I like documentaries. I watch this documentary on this big, these big weightlifter guys. I forgot the name of the documentary now. It's really, it was actually really good. And um, the massive, like the strongest men, like they, they walk around, they look like they're just wobbling everywhere. These are really, really, really big. And uh, you can, from afar, like kind of judge them as like, man, what do they do? Just throw some weights up every now and again, and they're just big, and man, what, what, what a life, you know? But you watch this documentary, and you're like, oh, man, the intentionality of these guys from morning till sleep. They're, they're recording everything, their sleep patterns, definitely their eating patterns. They eat like eight times a day or something. But it's all measured and calculated out, the, their workout patterns, just getting their psyche and mental mentality right. So much thought, so much effort. And what I love about that stuff, I love the drivenness and the competition because I'm very driven and very competitive. You can ask my wife and ask those that are close to me. I love, so I love getting like, inspired by that stuff. But what this passage does, and I feel like we tend to negate or overlook or, or miss out on sometimes when we think about being a Christian, um, though because of God's grace being poured out on us, we sometimes think, now we sit back and wait for God just to do something. Well, if God's going to throw me on the journey, I'm going to sit back and wait for God to throw me on the journey. Or if, whatever, I don't know, we just sit back. I have no, I have no other illustration other than we just sit back. Y'all got a picture of sitting back on a lawn chair. We sit back and we just, yeah, that's a good one. There you go. Sitting back on a lawn chair. You ever sit on the beach and just chill out? You're watching things go by. Or a spectator in a sport, you're watching things go by. Things happen. Just chilling out, watching things, not really engaged. And Paul, you know, what really hit me, I just wanted to share with you guys, because it was convicting to me, it's like, man, we're like supposed to train in godliness. We're supposed to have an intentionality where we look at stuff that we're doing, like what we're eating, things we're putting in our body. God cares about that, believe it or not. What we drink, how we drink, the things we drink. He cares about money, how we use our money. He has a lot to say about that in the Bible. Jesus talks about it all the time. He cares about how we interact and treat each other and think about each other, whether in the room with them or absent from a friend. He cares about all that stuff. Husband and wife and marriage, he cares about that stuff. He cares about us caring for the lost in our neighborhood, across the street, in our school, coworkers, our jobs. He cares about that kind of stuff. He cares about your classmates and students. He cares about all that kind of stuff, and he wants to teach us, how can you be intentional so to, to create space and all this stuff where I'm the centerpiece in it all, and you're dependent on me because I want to thrust you in a journey using all this stuff so that you can hear me and be led by me. Does that make sense? So Lisa and I, we do get very intentional. Like We sit down and we think about those things, but in prayerful ways. And some of my concerns sometimes, as Christians, we can let the world hijack this dependency thing a little bit. And we kind of say, okay, I got the Bible prayer stuff over here, and my New Year's resolutions, or what have you, my goals, and then all this other stuff in my life is a little bit separate, and I'm not as prayerful about that. 
And I just want to tell you, it's all God's. God is the God of the world. He's made the world and he's going to redeem it. And today he wants to give a foretaste to show what it looks like to be under his rule and reign in all things, all things that we do. And he wants us to have great intentionality. Why? Because he loves us and he's in us to do that work. And so that piece, I just want to close with saying, take time to be prayerful about the everyday stuff of your life so that you are creating space to be dependent on the one that matters and on the one who's using all of it to bring about a glorious journey with much perils and hardship so that he would be glorified and we would be changed for the better. I do want to make mention on this last piece, these events here are ways that as a church, as leaders in a church, we want to help We're here to serve you guys, do the work of ministry, be on mission in everyday life, to be dependent on Jesus with us for 2018. And so here's some ways we want to help you do that, okay? And so we want you to put this on your refrigerator and think about this and pray about it. Sunday, January 14th, next Sunday, 10.30 a.m., the second week of calling upon the Lord. The Sunday after that, uh, January 21st at 8.30 a.m., we're going to resume trainings again. At 8.30 a.m. training, it's the Story of God training. It's going to begin January 21st, 8.30 a.m., week one of six. The Story of God training is a great way to kind of fast track. How does the Bible connect to one big story? It's powerful. If you've never been through it, you've got to go through it. Please, please do it. All this stuff is online, by the way, and registration's online. If you have been through it and haven't been through it in a while, check that out as well. Um, also, 10.30 a.m. gathering, oh yeah, the third week of calling upon the Lord. And then Sunday, January 28th, um, the last Sunday of January, we are kicking off the 10.30 a.m. gathering with the, uh, beginning um, with the Psalm series. We're going to be going through Psalms, and it's really um, going to help us together grow as a praising, prayerful, dependent on God kind of church. I'm really excited about this. Abe's leading us in that. Then Sunday, March 18th, 8.30 a.m. training, MC Foundations begins. I think that's up there. It's where you can sign up. It's all online. Uh, March 18th, week one of 10. The MC Foundations, the big deal with that is... um, for those who are in MCs and want to be strengthened in your individual walk and as a missional community, great training for that. This is foundational stuff. If you are here and you're new or you're not new and you're not part of an MC, this is a great way to get connected. Either just learning more about our church and getting connected to other people or hopefully even seeing a new missional community get started. We'll take you through the basics and ensure coaching happens after that to see uh, uh, new MCs get birthed. So, Please know, there's, again, that's foundational training. Make time for it if you haven't been through it. Everybody who's a part of So Much Coma should go through this training. I think it's vital. And hopefully, we'll even have an additional training, too, opportunity there, at least one or two at that same time for those of you that have been through the MC Foundations training. We're still working through that stuff. All that to say, let me just shore up this and say, hey, if you're part of this family, please press in. We're all in this together and God, as he's training you in godliness and you're being intentional, think about 
where you're at with God. Think about where you're at in your family, like as far as like husband and wife or friends if you're single or friends even if you're husband and wife. Think about your neighborhood and, and does God, how does God want you to serve your neighbors? Think about your church. Where is God wanting to serve you in your church and how are you learning and growing with those who are in your church family? So please press in on this stuff. We are a family. Um, check this stuff out. Pray about this. Um, that's what we have right now for 2018. The last passage, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm, I'm going to read it again because this, this passage is just ridiculous. Now to him, God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, all that you can imagine, all that you could ever dream up, he, far more abundant, far more abundant according to the power that's at work, not just somewhere way up in the sky, this big power that could do far more than we can think, but the power that is at what? At work where? Within us. That's crazy. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. God in the journey he brings us on, he wants to bring us to a place where we're, we, we kind of get to the end of ourselves. We got nothing left in the tank. And some of us, we can get pretty bummed about that. I'm, I'm one of them. When I'm kind of there sitting around and I'm just like on my knees, like, I, I, God, I got, I, I got nothing. It just keeps, like the picture that comes to my mind is like I'm walking and I feel like this big bat just comes whack right on the side. Like, what just happened right there? What's going on in my life? And I'm like, okay, that was tough. I'm still, you know, Picking myself up like, all right, it's, it's supposed to be hard. Uh, uh, another one comes, bam! Another bat to the right, man, just takes me out. I'm just like, what's going on? And in some seasons, it feels like every time I get up, another bat comes, another bat comes. I'm like, what's happening? And I'm starting to see those moments where I'm like more like this, like what's going on? God's like, okay, you're getting it now. You're getting it now. It's through your weakness that I'm strong. 2 Corinthians 12. It's through your weakness I'm strong. Apart from us being depleted of ourselves, we don't see the immeasurable God who has all the resources in heaven and earth to do his will whenever he wants. We don't understand that God. When was the last time you talked and depended on the God who can do far more exceedingly than you could ever think or imagine? Do we depend on that God? He doesn't want to just help you in your pain and suffering. He wants to lift you in the midst of your pain and suffering to look at him, the God who can do far more than you could ever imagine. That means I, I'm hurting and I'm in pain, but God, you are great and big and you are my hope. That's the cry of the people of God. In the midst of suffering, he wants us to teach us that. That's where he's taking us. That's the journey, family. We have the God who can do far more than we could ever imagine. Far more. 
Don't be afraid of getting on your knees. Don't be afraid of the hurt and pain. Don't shy back from it. It's through that that we see God is big. God is present. God wants to work. I mean, God's, the stuff, some of the stuff he's calling me to do this year, I'm actually even walking out right now. One of the things he told me, and I was trying to avoid, in my time of solitude with him, I was thinking about 2018, he's like, Randy, I want you to do way less prep and way more prayer. No, what does that mean? I, I want you to put, you need to put aside the books. You need to put aside the commentary. You need to put all that stuff aside. I need you on your face. But wait, God, I know how to pray. Like, but when I do it, I don't hear you as much. That's, that's not going to work. I'm going to come up here. I'm going to look stupid. God, come on. Like, what, these people expect stuff. I got to come with something. Something, i.e., there's a lot that's being revealed in that conversation with God. Something looks like me studying a lot, not talking to God a lot. See how messed up that is? God, I can't, I can't spend more time praying. That's, that, that, I know it's what we got to do, but nothing really happens from that. i got to get open the books, the stuff I learned in seminary. i got to do all that work, and then I'll finally have something for the people. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. you got to put that aside. Not that those things are bad. This is my journey, okay? Not those things are bad. you got to put that aside. you got to learn to get on your knees and hear that, the something is this. It's this. It's so much this. And Randy, you're scared, and you don't quite know how it's going to work. That's part of my plan. You're not God. You don't know tomorrow. That's why you got to learn this today. you got to be with me today. Trust me for tomorrow. But God, I, I don't know if I can do that. You can't. You can't do that, Randy. But God, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's called faith. Oh, that's taken a long time to learn what I learned in seminary many years ago. Now, oh, faith, okay, it's this. Oh, okay, it's not writing a paper about it. It's letting you throw me out on a journey that I can't do. That terrifies me. But you're going to be with me, and you promise me that you will be with me. And that's going to be enough. And that's what this is about. Do you see? He just wants hearts to say, Dad, I'm here. I'm scared, but I'm here. And I believe you can do it. And I believe you want to do it. And I believe you want to bring change. And I believe you want to work. And I believe you will work. I don't see it. I don't know how, but I just believe. It's this faith thing that's crazy. I just trust myself to you, and I'll do it every day, Lord. And I know sometimes I'll get off the path. And guys, I'll be honest, I did. This week, I even had a moment of breaking at night. I was like, Lisa went out, and I was like, all right. And she was like, babe, don't, don't, don't worry too much about this Sunday. She was like, what was it, Thursday, babe? And, I was like, I, and I'm like, I don't have anything for Sunday. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, man, I'm going to show up here. I got nothing. I'm like, oh, man. And Lisa's like, Randy, just chill out, relax. I'm like, okay. But I had this moment of weakness. I'm sitting in my bed, and I'm like, just try to pray to God, and I'm like, God, can you tell me something about this Sunday? <laughs> I'm like, come on, God, give me something. I just need something, and he's not giving me anything. I start freaking out. I'm like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, Sunday's coming. I got nothing, and I even, like, went to my phone app, and I started looking up commentaries, and I was, like, reading commentaries on certain passages that God put in my heart, and it's crazy. Like, Lisa, can't, you were home at that time, weren't you, babe? And she saw me. She goes, are you reading commentaries? I told him, like, oh, I got busted. You know, it's like, wow, isn't that weird? Like, commentaries are dirty for me right now. <laughs> it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's, it's all the heart, guys. It's crazy. 
A lot of pastors are doing that. Just to be honest with you, it's a heart, it's a heart thing. And so I was like, right away, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is, yeah. And, I, and what, what was it doing? Anxiety. I was terrified. All it was doing was perpetuating just a fearful heart. A heart that just longing for dad, man. I just want dad. I want to know I'm going to be okay. Dad's going to be there. He's going to take care of me. That's really what's going on in my heart. Commentaries aren't going to do that. Whatever it is in your life, it won't do that. Money, sex, power, job, it won't do that. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. And it's been beautiful, man, like these last couple of days. It's been, it's been beautiful and painful. And God's just teaching me, like, hey, I'll give you enough. And little moments here, little moments there. It's give me this, give me that. Like, okay, wow, God, you, you gave me something. Here it is. It's me with God. That's it. Because God wants you with him. It's not about me. I'm you. We're, 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 like, we're in this together. God wants to pour himself out. He wants to show you how immeasurable his love is for you, how present his power is for you. He wants to meet with you. Do you guys get that? He can do far more than you could ever imagine or think. That's what he wants to do with our family. So I just, I feel like what we're going to do now, I'd love for us just to pray. I'd love to have those three passages up on the screen. And I, God, guys, my heart's desire in this, man, I, I, God's given me such love for this church. I love you. Some of you guys are new, like, how can you love me? I love you. I do. It's something, I don't get it. It's something the Spirit just does. And just here's, I want you to talk to the living Lord right now. I just, I, he wants to meet with you. And it's not weird. It's so normal if you're following Jesus. If you're not, you can repent and believe in Jesus and talk to him. You can do it. It's amazing. He brought you here because he wants to love on you and have this relationship with you. So don't hold back. You're in, man. Faith in Jesus, you're in. He died for your sins. You don't got to do a thing except for belief, okay? And what I want to invite you to do right now is just, like, look at these passages and talk and just sit with God right where you're seated. And maybe the first one might stick out to you. Like, man, I don't know if I really know him. The way he's talking, like, about Jesus, like, man, he's, like, right here, and he is here. And maybe you're like, God, I want to know you more that way. Great, pray that. Or maybe the second one, train yourself in God. And it's like, man, I've been lazy. I just kind of don't really give a rip with mo much of my life about you, God, and what you want to do. Man, you get to repent and talk to him about that and say, oh, man, I'm, I make it about my body and trying to get abs. I don't have to do that anymore, which you'd be thankful for. I'm thankful for that. And you get to make it about him. Do that. Or maybe it's the last one. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly. Maybe you're like, man, God, I've limited you with my limitations. And you get to turn from that and say, no, God, I want to I wanna worship you, the unlimited God, who can do all that I could ever think or imagine. So just sit, sit with these. And, and all these might touch you like they did me this week. 